Good afternoon. You're listening to KFSK News for Thursday, December 21st. I'm Hannah Floor. Petersburg Vikings are back on the hard court, and they started their season with a bang, competing against several elite teams at the Coastal Holiday Shootout in Sitka last week. But the Lady Vikings will enter the new year without the gym teacher who has coached them for decades. As KFSK's Shelby Herbert reports, Dino Brock has stepped down, and his assistant coach, Matt Powick, is stepping up to lead the Lady Vikings. Dino Brock hasn't had a real winter vacation in over three decades, and that's because he spent all those seasons coaching basketball, first in Wrangell, then in Petersburg. He says he's stepping down from coaching the girls' teams because it just felt like the right time. Um, give me a chance to do some other things while I'm still teaching, and so I'm excited about it. it it's been different, for sure. And while he's excited about this new chapter of life, volunteering in the community and traveling the world in all his newfound free time, he says it's bittersweet. He spent a lot of time reflecting on his long coaching career, and on all the people who made it special. It was amazing the amount of people that reached out and just thanked me. And uh, my old players were on Facebook um, arguing about which one was my favorite teams. And I kept my mouth shut on that one. Dino thanked Petersburg School District faculty, parents, players, and fans for sustaining such a vibrant community around high school basketball. We always say we don't get to do this without the support of everybody. Thank you to everybody, I guess, is what I want to say for all the support because we can't do it without all of you guys. He says it's difficult to part with a sport that's become such a fixture in his life, but he's happy he gets to hand over the reins to Matt Powick, his assistant coach. We've been together for a long time. He'll do fine. I'm excited to watch them play and grow as the year goes on. It's in good hands. This will be Powick's first year as head coach for a varsity team, but he knows his players well. He coached girls basketball at Dino's side for four years, and he spent another 13 coaching the middle school boys team. Even still, Powick says Dino has left behind a big pair of shoes to fill. You know, Dino, he made a comment to me a few weeks ago about kind of, I felt like I up- upheld the tradition of girls basketball in Petersburg, and my comment to him was that he was the tradition for Petersburg <laughs> girls basketball. He says he's grateful for the opportunity to carry on that tradition and also sprinkle in some new things. Powick traveled with the team to a three-game tournament in Sitka last weekend. The Varsity Lady Vikings lost all three of their matches, albeit to a few teams that were above their league. They played their best game on Thursday against the Sitka Wolves, who are a division above the Lady Vikings. The Wolves won that game 61-22. to Their next game was against the Chugiak Mustangs who are two divisions above them. Chugiak won 37-8. to Then on Saturday, they played their last game against Idaho's Kendrick Tigers, who won 45-2. to The Tigers were the only team at the tournament who were in the same league as the Lady Vikings, and they're the third best team in their whole home state. Powick says that final game was a lot of fun to watch, even while his own team was struggling. He says he has a lot of respect for the Tigers. I caught myself sometimes even in the game that they were playing against us going, wow, that was, oh wait, that's against us, you know. <laughs> but yeah, they were a very, very well-oiled machine. Powick says it was a challenging start to the season for his players, but he's pleased with how they're improving their defense. 
He says they made the other teams work hard for every point they scored. So I just wanted to find things in each game that we could take away that were positives, and it was surprisingly easy to find good stuff, you know, out of all three of our games. And and the growth just across the three games was I was really happy to see that. Petersburg's varsity boys fared somewhat similarly against their upper division opponents at the Sitka tournament. They played their first game against Chugiak and the Mustangs took a narrow victory, 55-52. to 52. They played the Sitka Wolves next. The Wolves won that game a little more soundly, 51-40. to 40. But the Viking boys flipped the script on their final day of the tournament. They won their match against the Lumen Christi Archangels, 61-31. to 31. Mick Potterzewski, the boys' assistant coach, says it was a successful weekend for the whole program. He filled in for coach Rick Brock at the tournament in Sitka and says he's glad his players got some court experience from teams they don't usually get to play. It's great to play some schools that you don't see typically, whether they're not from Southeast or not in your conference. It's nice to have that experience and and play some, some bigger schools and some smaller schools and see some different things on the basketball court. So um, I thought we got a lot out of it and we'll be able to, to really build on, on where we started the season. Though Dino Brock has stepped off the court for good, he won't stop paying attention to the Vikings' progress. Now, as a spectator... I like to be involved anyway, so I'm sure that I will. I'm sure we'll be heading to Wrangell in a few weeks to watch the games over there. But before that game rolls around, he's looking forward to catching a country music concert in Las Vegas in what will be his first winter vacation in over 30 years. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. Alaska's 2023 cruise ship season broke records. Juneau, the state's capital, saw more than 1.5 million cruise ship passengers total. Records were also broken in other southeast towns popular with visitors like Sitka, Ketchikan, and Skagway. But 1,200 miles west of Juneau, a small team worked to beat on Alaska's record of only 18 ships in a season. For Coast Alaska's Tourism Today series, Andy Lusk reports from an Alaska. What comes to mind when you hear Unalaska Dutch Harbor? Desolate. <laughs> Remote. Cold. And harsh. Hard life. Tough people. And it's a real working environment, I guess. Unalaska is so well known for commercial fishing that many visitors mistakenly call it by the name of its fishing port, Dutch Harbor. The first thing you see when you step off of a cruise ship in Unalaska is heavy industry. There's towers of crab pots and shipping containers, a gantry crane, semi-trucks rumbling by, and an army of workers keeping it all in motion. Industry is also the first thing you smell. Fish oil lingers in the air during processing days, and the scent of burning shipping pallets wafts through residential areas. Unalaska has about 4,500 residents and a rough reputation. It's isolated, harsh, and expensive to get to. It's a place for crabbers to get into bar fights, not the first place many people think of for a nice vacation. I'm going to point out a few mountains for you. Straight ahead. Catherine McGlashan wants to change that. She runs the Unalaska Visitors Bureau. Um, I think my vision stepping in was to promote more of our uh, Unangan culture. So I try to speak more of our culture and uh, what we do to promote it and keep it alive. So that, that's Aglashan grew up here, and she wants people to appreciate the magic of this place. 
To her, it's more than just the town from the popular reality show, Deadliest Catch. There's really no tourism infrastructure to speak of in Unalaska. Visitors disembark at the same dock as the big barges and Pollock trawlers. Today, a handful of tourists from Viking Cruises Orion wander around outside of a giant fish refrigeration plant and then board a school bus driven by a local volunteer. When they first get on, it's a school bus. So they really, they're like, a school bus? Really? And I'm like, uh, we're a small town of 4,500 people. You know, we utilize everything that we can. On the tour bus, it's wildlife that gets the biggest oohs and ahs. Oh, yeah. To your left, you'll see a fox and a couple eagles down there. Dieter Pazivio is from Bremen, Germany. He says Unalaska wildlife is unlike anything he sees back home, even in his harbor town. You know, because as we came in, there are lots of whales, sea lions, uh, sea otters, uh, well, all this stuff you don't find over in Europe. Jörg Meyer is from Germany as well. He describes Unalaska as, quote, more cultural than expected. It's a good contrast to those who live in big cities. Here the nature, here the wind. But culture goes far beyond natural beauty. Unalaska history is Unanga history, and visitors often don't know much about the island's Alaska native population. While giving guided tours of the island, Catherine McGlashan emphasizes Unanga life. I kind of always held on to the culture because my mom was very, she was very passionate about our culture and community. So we always ate native dishes and she um, would invite her friends and family. And when elders would come over, they would speak the language. So it was it's pretty, pretty precious now because you don't ever see that happening anymore. This bus wants more than just the regular tour. The visitors are curious about Unanga history, and they want to know about McGlashan herself. You want to hear about me? So my uh, great-grandfather came from Scotland, and my great-grandmother was from Attu, which was the last island out on the Aleutian chain. McGlashan says these moments are rare, and it took her by surprise. I was kind of thrown off that... They wanted to learn more about the Unangan culture. Yeah, it was it was pretty neat just to describe to them a little bit about the tattooing and my Unangan name. McGlashan only has one other employee at the Unalaska Visitors Bureau, Trevana McGowan. A handful of locals volunteer with them on the dozen or so days when a cruise ship is in town. This year, the small tourist team broke the town's record for visiting cruise ships. There were 20. That's two more than the year before the pandemic. But McGlashan and McGowan are doing more than breaking number records. They also leave visitors with a raw, intimate picture of what life can be in one of Alaska's farthest flung corners. So I had a guy on one of the earlier cruise ships and he told me, what you have here is very special. We're going to Juneau. Juneau will get, you know, 10,000 people off of three different cruise ships at a time. And one of the things that stuck with me was that he said, you know, I'm probably never going to remember a single person in Juneau, but I'm never going to forget this conversation I'm having with you right here. Now, when you hear Unalaska Dutch Harbor, what comes to mind? Fascinating island. Historic. 
Fabulous. Great little town. In Unalaska, I'm Andy Lusk. Amazing. Just amazing spot. After nearly a decade, the U.S. Forest Service has finalized its plan to overhaul Juneau's Mendenhall Glacier Recreation Area. Over the years, the project has provoked hundreds, if not thousands, of public comment from the Juneau community. Alexander Pierce is the city's tourism manager. She says the plan addresses both residents' concerns and the tourism industry. I like to see a plan that's um, well-managed and that listens to resident concerns. People didn't want to see motorized boats on the lake and additional visitor center facilities. And um, the Forest Service listens to, to the public on that, which is a positive thing. Glacier is one of Alaska's most visited tourist attractions. Forest Service officials say the improvements will help manage the pressure from Juneau's rapid growth in cruise ship tourism in recent years. The final plan includes a new welcome center and improvements to the old one. It also increases parking, expands trail systems, and adds an amphitheater. When the visitor center was built in the 1960s, the area saw about 23,000 visitors annually. That number has since grown to about 700,000. But as more and more visitors have been coming to the glacier, the glacier has been moving farther away, a process that's accelerating due to climate change. In a few decades, it likely won't be visible from the visitor center at all. Suggestions for dealing with that included building the new center closer to the glacier and allowing motorboats on the lake. Neither made it into the final plan. Pierce says that listening to residents' concerns about overcrowding while knowing that tourism will keep growing makes managing the area a constant balancing act. I do think that's a difficult puzzle for the Forest Service to try to solve. I think we're all concerned about the receding glacier and um, what that means for the visitor experience in our community. According to Tongass National Forest Supervisor Frank Sherman, Rather than making drastic changes to get people closer to the glacier, the Forest Service opted to address more pressing needs like overcrowding, restrooms, and the aging visitor center. For KFSK, I'm Hannah Floor.